Greetings and welcome. Welcome to Satiate, the new and exciting podcast that I'm excited to launch today. I'm Sue Van Rays, your host, and I am also the founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado, where I specialize in nutritional therapy and food psychology. I'm also an author, speaker, and yoga teacher. In this new podcast series, we're going to cover a variety of topics, all relating to our relationship to food and body, our personal fulfillment, and self-love, how we can best nourish our bodies, minds, and hearts while living a life embodying the best version of ourselves. You can look forward to many special guests, health and happiness experts from around the country, exciting teachings, and even some portable on-the-road episodes coming straight from my upcoming Boulder Nutrition road trip and retreats. Thanks so much for joining me today for the very first episode of Satiate. I hope you enjoy. As I've been visioning and creating and brainstorming on exactly how this podcast is going to take shape over the past couple of months during my most creative and expansive time of summer, I thought today it would be most appropriate for me to start with my personal story. A story that I hold near and dear to my heart, but also one that has taught me many, many life lessons around self-care, nourishment, love, and life. So I wanted to start with a little flashback to my early childhood when I first began my career as a competitive gymnast. I was always a scrawny little kid who was constantly hungry and couldn't sit still, as my family members would say often. So this new choice to dive into the competitive world of my passion, my sport, my love of gymnastics was welcomed with open arms at about age seven. And I quickly became highly focused and dedicated to to the sport and this love of mine. Well, like a lot of other young children in the world of competitive sports, we don't have really much to anchor us into ourselves, how to take best care of ourselves, how to listen to our bodies. All of these types of lessons seem to come a little later on. So, like most young children eager to please, wanting acknowledgement and recognition for my successes from my parents, from my coaches, and from my teammates. I gave everything I had to my physicality, my training, and my determination around my um, gymnastics career. I stayed in this career for nearly 14 years, and it brought me all the way 
through high school, through college on a varsity scholarship. And by the age of about 21, I packed up my gymnastics bag for good. The reason I wanted to tell you a little bit about that was because this part of my childhood and my passion was very pinnacle in a lot of the ways that the rest of my life began to unfold. I was taught at a very young age to work hard and that without pain, there'd be no gain. You know the common saying, no pain, no gain. Well, that was my mantra. I, for some reason, was gifted with a really high threshold for pain. So I was known to compete on sprained ankles and various injuries when I probably should have rested. I was also known to fight staying home when I wasn't feeling well or when I had too much schoolwork to do. Rather, stay up late at night, pushing myself through the many obstacles that came with a very competitive and time-consuming career in gymnastics. So, fast forward to my early 20s, and I was tired, but I also had these beliefs ingrained in my system that to be successful we had to suffer that i needed to perform to get recognized or to even be lovable and that i simply didn't want to show my weakness weakness was something in competitive sports that was very very unwelcome and even a few memories of shedding tears out of fear standing on the balance beam for what felt like hours afraid to conquer the next trick the next gymnastics move the next backflip i was very much shown that showing my fear was a sign of weakness I learned a lot throughout those years, and some of the lessons were invaluable. I'm sure today there's many of them that I use in my entrepreneurial life as a business owner. I know for a fact that I had to dig super deep into myself for courage to face my fears and determination to keep going even when it got hard. So in the midst, I look back with a lot of gratitude as well for some of these basically personality traits that have been assets for me. In my early 20s, I moved to Boulder, Colorado. And Boulder, Colorado became a place that I would put down roots to grow into the adult that I am today, but also to learn a lot around feminine spirituality, nutritional therapy, self-care, nourishment, and all the things that today are the very backbone of my business and of my personal life. So there was a time when 
I was freshly divorced and I was taking care of both of my young children who were about one and five and trying to launch my business in the early 2000s as well as finish my master's degree in holistic nutrition and a lot of these principles that I had learned as a young child were governing my days pushing through being determined to pick myself up after what was a pretty traumatic divorce and challenging time and also knowing that I had this high threshold for pain and I became and started to become even more and more depleted. I was doing so much on my own. My days were full of kids and work and home and trying to keep everything afloat. And my nights were basically very interrupted with a young one-year-old still not sleeping through the night. We eventually got to a time where the youngest one especially was old enough to spend the weekends at his father's house. So I would drive them over there on a Friday afternoon and wave goodbye and feel this dichotomy of relief and fear, uncomfortableness of being alone and having the spaciousness of the entire weekend to myself. While I needed rest and space and time just for me like nothing else, it was also very awkward and very uncomfortable. In fact, I remember I would drive home and go into my house and sit and just stare almost as if I was paralyzed with how to move on and how to construct my weekend with so much time because I was so used to 24-7 parenting. So with this feeling of overwhelm and probably some PTSD and a lot of sadness in my heart, I really had a hard time eating. I was good at eating when my kids were there because I would cook them delicious food and I was always into healthy food and making my own things from scratch and the boys both loved food as well when they were young. So that was helpful. It was like it grounded me into my own self-nourishment and self-care. But when they started leaving and I was left to my own device, I think that all the stress in my body shut down my appetite and I just couldn't think of what to eat. I didn't want to take the time to make myself food. I was so uncomfortable with all of this new style of living that I was now forced to embrace. So, lo and behold, I became even more depleted. And sometimes I remember just barely being able to eat a bowl of popcorn for dinner or an apple and you know, every, every time they would go away for the weekend, this would happen. So it started to be cumulative. Well, this one particular weekend, it seemed like I hit an all-time threshold for depletion. And I was taking a long shower by myself at home um, 
one Sunday morning and I fainted. I fully fainted in the shower. I think I was super exhausted and weak and depleted and drained and the last thing I'd been doing is prioritizing my self-care. I had definitely learned from the many generations of women that came before me that when we mother, we give everything away. We become selfless. So that was another one of my beliefs that was running the show at the time. So I woke up from the bathroom floor, actually the shower floor, in a puddle of water and realized what had happened and grabbed a towel, kind of crawled my way down the hallway into my bedroom where I had what I like to call now as my massive meltdown. My meltdown went on for hours and it was actually one of the most important moments and turning points in my career and in my personal life. I was in the midst of completing my master's degree and I wasn't eating and I wasn't taking care of myself, which was in a complete you know, juxtaposition to everything I was studying. And I also got to witness you know, ourselves when we get to kind of our low points, which today I see many of my clients coming out of when we work together. So that day, the mountains of tears, the moments I realized that my own self-care and nourishment was the last thing I had been prioritizing, I had a breakthrough, a major breakthrough. I promised myself that I could not keep doing this and that I had to be my number one. I had to throw away the belief that mothers had to become superheroes and I had to commit to myself that I was going to nourish myself, that I was going to eat three meals a day, that I was going to be worthy enough to cook for, that I was going to be worthy enough to go to the store and get my favorite foods while the boys were gone. And this moment became the most important agreement I've ever made with myself, still to this day. I notice from time to time if I'm rushing around and I don't have time to eat, or if I'm late in the morning and I feel like, oh, if I just skip breakfast, um, I'll just be on, I'll be able to get out the door quicker. I notice that that um, commitment and that contract that I made with myself over 15 years ago still to this day holds me true to prioritizing myself. It was a big, big aha moment that changed everything. We all have them. Sometimes they're more obvious or in the spotlight than others. But this one was really pretty important for me. So from there, this journey of taking care of myself, prioritizing myself, and really embodying those aspects of the feminine, listening to my body and the wisdom of my body 
and intuition and flowing with my cycle, um, letting myself sleep if I needed to sleep, letting myself take a nap in the middle of the day if that's what was needed, asking for help. Back to those gymnastics days, showing weakness was not welcome. Asking for help was not welcome. So I had to do a lot of work around releasing this belief that asking for help was a weakness. Because truthfully, when I really get honest with the situation, I needed help. I was totally overwhelmed with all these different things I was juggling. I basically had to relearn a lot of ways that were foreign to me. And I like to think of them now as I look back and reflect on those years as these major life lessons that taught me how to prioritize myself, how to move in the flow of the feminine, which was completely foreign to me. In my school of thinking, the feminine was weaker than the masculine and cried more and was messier and wasn't going to perform these outrageous physical tasks as well. So I had to relearn and train myself to hone these belief systems that would become very much the ways in which I could find my own personal fulfillment in my personal life and in my work. I started to move from the feminine and it felt so good even though it was so uncomfortable at first. So I wanted to share with you a little bit about my story because it really has inspired the work that I do today and the name of this podcast satiate is really so metaphorical it's truly about satiating ourselves in our lives in our bodies in our minds in our hearts so that we live in a space that is nourishing for ourselves a space that we are able to feed our bodies what they truly want and crave in their wisdom. A space where we get a good night's sleep, where we rest ourselves each day, create downtime so our minds can relax and stop worrying about our to-do list 24-7. A place where we can start to tailor and practice the different ways and the different scripts that we hear in our minds all day long. Whether they're critical and self-judging, inadequate or not good enough, to a space where those thoughts can actually be supportive and encouraging and loving and gentle and understanding and compassionate. A way that we can move our bodies in a way that's actually helpful, that provides health, that enlivens us and energizes us rather than depletes us and injures us. And of course, connecting and relating to the world, 
through our intimate partnership, through our friendships, through our communities, through our business connections, to our families, to our children, in these ways that become supportive and loving and kind in both directions, where there's a balance in giving and receiving, where there's a balance in listening and speaking, sharing, being heard, and also holding and witnessing another. All of these aspects of health were basically counterintuitive for what I had learned at a young age. And just like many of us, I've had to retrain and I'm constantly retraining a lot of these old ways that are, for the most part, outdated. For myself, they don't serve me anymore. They don't work for me anymore. But just like most of the ways we see life and the perspectives we have and the belief systems we have, we are attached to them. We've collected evidence through our entire lives that have proven them to be true. It's hard to sometimes change these belief systems and to create positive aspects to the lens in which we look out through our souls to the world around us. It takes practice, it takes commitment, it takes almost like mind training. So when I was creating this podcast and thinking about exactly what I wanted the theme to be and the mission behind it, I think it's very interesting to think about what does satiation mean? What does it mean to be satiated? The interesting thing about satiation is it's very personal. Some of us are satiated in being outside in the woods and some of us are satiated in long days at home with a good book. Some of us are satiated with many different activities in our lives and some are on the simple track. But I just, as I was thinking about satiate, for me, I've noticed that in myself, in my kids as well, and also in many of my clients, that when we're satiated in our lives, in many ways, in the many aspects of life, our relationship to our health, our relationship to our bodies, and our relationship to our eating. It changes when we are fulfilled in our lives, when we are satiated in our lives. We have to figure out uniquely, individually, customized what satiates us, what fulfills us so that our emptiness or the places where we're not satiated we don't take out on the ugly patterns that we all have the unhealthy patterns we have the self-sabotaging patterns we have the self-loathing patterns we have personal fulfillment is a gateway 
into personal success. So I'm going to leave you today with a couple of questions, a couple of things to think about. What satiates you, your unique self, in your life? What are those aspects of daily living that you might be missing? That maybe you don't feel like you deserve or you're worthy of or you're lovable enough? Where can you shed those belief systems in your life that are outdated? Where can you shed those old ways of being for yourself that are not serving you? Where can you recommit to the most important person of all, which is you? These are the questions that will help you become more satiated. And coming up, we'll have a lot more conversations around this topic. We'll dig deeper. We'll have some very special guests that have an important message to share, some wisdom from beyond, and hopefully each of us will get a chance to hone what it is we need, what those specific superfoods, those soulful superfoods that we each yearn for to feel our best. If you're curious, and craving more when it comes to improving the relationship you have with yourself, with your body, with your eating, and with your health. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes of Satiate and feel free to explore the option of joining us on one of our upcoming local or international retreats. This fall, Boulder Nutrition is hitting the road for some delightful workshops around the country, as well as some wonderful opportunities to retreat with us, no matter where you live, in destinations that are beautiful and nourishing and amazing places to restore and reunite with yourself and your inner wisdom. Our first retreat will be September 22nd, and this retreat will take place in the local town of Crestone, Colorado, just a few hours outside of Boulder. We'll be staying in the magical Sangrede Cristo Valley. We'll have daily workshops, yoga classes, hand-picked healing foods, and especially soaking in the mineral-rich sacred waters of the hot springs from the local Sangrede Cristo Mountains. Our second retreat will happen November 8th through 15th in Nosara, Costa Rica. My dear friend Lauren Lewis will be joining us for this particular retreat where we'll combine our expertise in the worlds of nutritional therapy and natural cooking. This retreat will give us experiential time together with hands-on in our kitchen and in our lives for health and healing. And lastly, if you're up for a big treat, both culturally and in the beauty of Ubud, Bali, you're welcome to join us this spring for our annual women's pilgrimage to the land of Bali, a magical place for the feminine 
a magical place to explore the Hindu mythology of the goddesses and how we can empower ourselves through these glorious archetypes in our health and healing. For more information on the upcoming retreat and road trip schedule, you can simply visit boldernutrition.com slash retreats. Thank you again so much for joining me for the very first episode of Satiate, and I look forward to seeing you soon.